You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards Nagel, and Taylor Polendo. Oh, that's loud. That's really loud in people's ears. That's really loud. Look how big she looks, though, you guys. She's so big. Hi. I, I liked when I was visiting and I said, oh, it was really lovely to meet your daughter. And they both went, oh, my God, we have a daughter. <laughs> Look at her. Oh, my gosh. She's changed so much. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I need a little nugget. Guys, guess, be proud. Somebody give this girl applause. She slept four and a half hours straight last night. So. Oh, are we back? We're back. Welcome back, Meredith. Mother. Where you been? Where you been? I became a I became like you crazy people. I became a mother. Congratulations. Wow. You know, they just let anybody do this, I guess. <laughs> they, they do. <laughs> There's not the truth. And, and you got to take them home, you know? Yeah. And uh, their parents are never coming to get them. No. <laughs> You're the people. Actually, I thought about you, uh, Dr. Hughes. I had a dentist appointment today and the dentist I've known for a while. And she asked me, like, congrats, you know, because uh, my daughter, Nova, is uh, three weeks old now. Crazy. And um, I told her, I said, yeah, I was, keep thinking of my mentor because I keep wondering when this kid's parents are coming to pick her up. Uh-huh. And then I realized that that's me. <laughs> <laughs> and no one's coming. <laughs> so Nope. All you guys. Yeah. Well, thankfully, Tommy's good at this because uh, one of us needed to have it together. <laughs> <laughs> that's anyway. good. Well very exciting news for sure. Yeah. I love not being pregnant. Mm, yeah. Cheers to anybody out there drinking a beer while you're listening to this. I can do that with you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway. my goodness. So we've been saying that your baby is perfect. Mm. She is perfect. Yeah. So you're going to try to prove me wrong today in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting how we have this sort of progression in life that we're trying to maybe outpace and stay perfect. Mm. And it's an impossibility, but some people try. Yeah. Uh, before we jump in really quick, I was thinking about that. I had a feeling you were going to mention Miss Miss Nova and her perfectness. And I remember you told a story once about how your daughter says something scary on me. Like, uh-huh. oh, that's scary on me. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I'm, and you're going to jump into all this perfectionism business in a minute but I was thinking like how do I not put perfect on her Mm. Mm, yeah so yeah I'm already nervous so no but it's asking the question is fantastic absolutely fantastic because it is a question that maybe we'll end up on I hope to talk about how do we parent in this era where there's just a lot of expectations on people Mm. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to start with a story yes At one point, a place I worked, I'm not going to say where, I was new and I was walking down the hall to my new office and one of the most senior faculty members stopped me and said, who are you? I heard you're new here. And he said, what's your story? So I thought, oh, okay, my story. Well, I said, I'm married. I have three children. I have recently moved. And he said, no, 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 no. I don't want to know any of that stuff. Where'd you get your PhD? And who was on your committee for your dissertation? Ooh. 
And I was like, oh, so I said that. And he goes, oh, hmm. Yes, you're fine. Jesus. And I said, nice to meet you. And he said, very nice to meet you. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. So I have, you know, he was like, the word you're I fine. Would use, but, yeah, okay. <laughs> you're fine because of these accomplishments. You know, he wasn't really asking about me. He was asking about my accomplishments or my outcomes. Yeah. And I thought that's kind of the exact wrong thing hmm. to know people only by their accomplishments. And I was thinking about that story and I thought, huh, I'm really get reinforcement in my career focusing on accomplishments, right? I'm in that kind of a business. And some people are, some people listening, you might be in a business that reinforces your accomplishments and highlights them as if that makes you worth something. Mm -hmm. If you have those accomplishments. Do you think that people who kind of focus on viewing life through accomplishments also then focus on failures? Maybe. That was an interesting question. It's like the worst, like a worst of both things. Like. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think that in our society, there are a lot of people mixing, you know, sort of believing that if you have this outcome or you have this desired, whatever it is, then that makes you worth something. Some of us should on ourselves. So we engage in self-shoulding. And in doing that, we maybe hold ourselves to some of these standards that might be perfectionism. I don't want to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's a big question that Meredith, you would label it's a, an upstairs problem. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. It's all about what's going on upstairs. And so that's what our episode's about to kind of talk about perfectionism and some of the tendencies we might hold ourselves to some standards and what to do about that and then what that does in other relationships. So the question, of course, is how do you speak to yourself about your mistakes, your failures, challenges? Ooh, how do I talk to myself about ways I fail and then how I tie that to like my worth, basically? Mm -hmm. Here's a quotation that someone once said, perfectionism is a trait that makes life an endless report card on accomplishments or looks. Oh my God, like, that's depressing. Yeah, yeah. endless report card, yikes. Okay, well, can we take a step back? Because I think I have an idea, but what is perfectionism? What are we actually talking about here? There's a ton of definitions out there, but I think basically it's sort of two things, which is holding ourselves to an unrealistic or high standard okay. and maybe refusal to accept any other standard. Huh. Okay. There's no perfect definition. <laughs> See what I did right there? But um, bump. It's really about expectations. We're talking here about expectations we have for ourselves. What's really interesting, though, Taylor, to your question, which I did not know this, actually, until we researched for this episode, technically, three types of perfectionism. And I thought there was probably one type. I don't know why I thought that. Hewitt and Flett are the authors that are behind those distinctions. And so there's self-oriented perfectionists. They hold themselves to high standards, right? They're self-evaluators. So self-perfectionists or self-oriented perfectionists, and then there's other-oriented perfectionists, and those people set standards for other people to follow, hold the bar really high for the people that they're in relationships with. And then the third one is socially prescribed perfectionism, and that one is believing that others hold these expectations on your behavior and you believe you're being evaluated by them. So that would be sort of like social pressure, I guess is how I would say that. So we have the three, self, other, and social. Do we know any statistics or anything on if people are one more than the other, like all three? Do you, Mary, do you, do you think you're all three or which way do you guys identify? 
I wouldn't say I feel I'm all three. I don't resonate with other oriented perfectionism, like setting an unrealistic standard for someone else. I can see how I maybe did that when I was younger, but the older yeah. I get, the less I relate with that really. I'm more, if I like had to pick one, I don't know. I feel like the self and socially prescribed blend and, and <laughs> yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But I read and I listen to you to explain self and I'm like, well, maybe I used to do that really hard. Like I, I must be perfect in these areas. I must like attain this thing. And I am really like evaluating myself really tightly and you know, all these things. And I still think there's areas in my life I do that but I'm learning to be more calm in my <laughs> upstairs, upstairs, mine um, about that. But I, the socially prescribed one, if I picked one, I think that's where I would be mm-hmm. where I get, I feel a disappointment in my upstairs. Cause I think other people maybe have held a, a standard for me and mm. I've failed it. Mm. What about you, Tay? Oh, uh, I think self is my number one. I think a little bit of each one. Social will probably be second, but I think for sure self. I have very high standards of myself and then that bleeds on to other people. But And yeah, would you call so. yourself a perfectionist? I would not, no. Yeah, I wouldn't either, but I would say the same as you. I Self would be the one Okay, that would stand out. Okay, but sorry, sounds, I was just curious. Is that yeah, the more perfect sounds, one to pick? Did I pick the wrong one? <laughs> Well, I think we could settle this maybe with the quiz. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't you think? Wait, yeah, I can drink I now like on this music. podcast. So uh-huh. can I turn my mug to say not coffee when you're yeah. when you're um, reading that, please? Go ahead. Okay. So a couple of questions for you here. You missed it when you were gone, Meredith. So uh, we want to bring you back in style. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So this was a survey given to Gen Z individuals. And Gen Z are people who were born between 1997 and 2012. Okay. Okay, so they were polled in the United States. And the question is, what percentage said there was too much pressure to be perfect on social media? (laughs) What percentage of this Gen Z group? 85. The percentage is that felt there's too much pressure to be perfect on social Mm -hmm. media. You're buying extra time. I see what you're doing. I'm using my trusted calculator. She always does that. Repeat that. She's looking for her calculator. You know, repeat, I repeat the question it because I'm a little slow. <laughs> okay. Um, no, you're perfect. That. That's terrible. <laughs> uh, I am using my trusted calculator and I'm going to say 70%. 45. Oh, wow. So you guys went really hard on It's because of the topic of the podcast, probably. So about roughly half. What? They so there's too much pressure to be perfect. Great lives on social media. It's fake. We know it. Come on. I <laughs> heard the average teen takes 80 selfies to get one to post. Really? The average 80. There was something wrong with, maybe I have that off a little bit, but it's like 79 photos. There's something wrong with mm-hmm. versus the one that was wow. worth posting. That's so a lot of your, work. It's a lot of your life. Yeah. Okay. okay. Next question. Okay. So okay. far, nobody's winning. <laughs> great. I mean, you were closer, Meredith. So... There's that, but all right. So multiple studies have found a correlation between perfectionism and performance anxiety. Even in children as young as how old? Three. Uh, Six. Okay, it's 10. I don't know why I would say three. So three, yeah, I don't know if you have performance anxiety at age three. I guess you could. I I don't know. Okay, so 
I think we we have a tiebreaker question because okay. you've equally failed at the first two questions. No one has closed. We've, per- we've perfectly failed this quiz. You've perfectly like to... failed this quiz. Okay. So in a well-known Hewlett-Packard internal study, men tended to apply for jobs when they met 60% of the listed qualifications. On average, what percentage of qualifications did the women say they oh. needed to meet before they would apply? I'd say 100. 75. Or 90. Meredith wins. It's 100. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. I, I so. have applied for jobs where I think I hit like 90 and I'm nervous. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? All right. Yes. Meredith wins. Ha. Well done. <laughs> it's your welcome back victory. You no, know, I was just going to, I was just going to say that. I was going to say something, you know, new mom, you best mom. I mean, <laughs> oh, shit. you don't have that fetus like taking any brain power away anymore. Oh yeah. She, now she just, <laughs> oh wow. Okay. <laughs> say something terrible. She's just sucking the life out of me now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Can I ask a, qu- a question about all yeah. of this, this research that you're throwing at us and these quizzes? It, like what's driving all of this for people? And is it something that is that we're seeing a lot of or mm-hmm. I don't know, what, what is the research telling us? Talk, talk. That about 30% of our population identifies as perfectionist. I still think we're probably talking about degrees though. So yeah. I don't know that you are, aren't. I know that I'm not, but it doesn't mean I don't do things that might be in that category, you know, so I wonder if there's sort of a spectrum, but about 30%, some people might say more. So the question I think that you asked earlier was what's going on in terms of the trend? Is this becoming a bigger problem? Why would we have it on the podcast? And there's some researchers that got together posted on the Harvard Business Review. They found that socially prescribed perfectionism is increasing at twice the rate of self and other perfectionism. Hmm. So they're saying socially prescribed is growing twice as fast as the other two categories. Now that is very concerning to me. That's all the stories you make up in your head that other people are saying about you or thinking about you without actually confirming them. Yeah. This one researcher talked about this, and this is what Regeri commented on this statistical trend. And she said, the rise in perfectionism doesn't mean that each generation is becoming more accomplished. It means we're getting sicker, sadder, and undermining our own potential. Wow. So I just really outed myself when then I said that was probably mine. Great. <laughs> so it's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Those are all. I've always wondered if we should, as a country, maybe slow down some of this social media use. We seem like we're like, oh, free everything, free platforms. I'm not saying to censor people or anything. I'm just saying it's just the amount of use. Like parents got to limit it. Maybe the accounts should have to limit it. You can only be on this app so many hours a day. My infant (laughs) hasn't reached that point yet. So I don't know. (laughs) True. Well, okay. A little bit devil's advocate. Is there a healthy version of perfectionism or positives to this sicker, sadder <laughs> situation we find ourselves in? Yeah. I mean, I hear that sometimes, don't you? Like the, the idea is like, is perfectionism all bad? You know, is sort of what the question yeah. is. Does it drive I, us to some accomplishments? What I hear is being the best. You want to be perfect equals best. So it's kind of this achieving high standard of yourself. Why wouldn't you want to push yourself to be the best? That sounds like someone with a self orientation would say that versus right striving to be whatever what I believe other people think I should be right, right? 
That's, that's, that's a pretty concerning equation right there. To your question, a lot of researchers would distinguish perfectionism from conscientiousness. So there's perfectionism wanting to meet this unrealistic standard versus conscientiously just trying to move along and improve and be better. Some of those researchers have done is they've kind of distinguished those two things from each other. So maybe the good side of perfectionism is actually has a different name, which is conscientiousness. And the idea that some of the researchers, Fry and DeBats, did a study on longevity of those types of individuals and found that conscientious individuals live longer than perfectionists. Wow. Is it safe to say that we'll never hit perfection? Yeah, it's safe to say. (laughs) You just said it. It's an unrealistic standard. Yeah. So I like literally heard that and I had this thought in my head because I'm so kind to myself upstairs that I'm like, you're so dumb. Like if it's an unrealistic standard, like let it go. You're going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're never going to meet that for other people. Well, and I think, you know, being a brand new mom, right, and you're a few years into it, Taylor, it's an interesting thing. We could even debate that a little bit where you might think I have to be this perfect mom or I have to do some of these things perfectly. And knowing that's not possible and you're far enough into it, Taylor, to know for sure it's not possible. (laughs) Yeah, I had to spend a lot of time in therapy where I was like, I'm a terrible mom. She's like, but are you a good mom in this area? And maybe you like failed in that one area. Does it make you a bad mom? I was like, oh, okay, I guess you're right. Yeah. Speaking of kids, I have two boys, Meredith, you have a little girl. Do we see any differences between boys and girls and growing up? And I don't know, the expectations or? Yeah, it's a great question. So remember when we talked in episode four, In the birthday mindset episode, remember we did some of the research by Carol Dweck? Mm -hmm. And she has the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Just to review that in case you haven't yet checked out that episode, the fixed mindset believes that your talents and abilities are fixed. They don't change. And the growth mindset has the point of view that they can be improved upon or change. Did a little research with Carol Carol Dweck's... Did a little research with Carol Dweck. What does that even... What sentence Did a little... Did a little diddle. Horrible. I had a chance diddled. to, yeah. So I had a chance to read a little bit more in of Carol Dweck's research. And here's what she says in an interview. She says that talking about her research, bright girls, when given something that was particularly foreign or complex, were quick to give up. And she found the higher the girls' IQs, the more likely they were to throw in the towel. Now, her research also found that more often than not, bright girls believe their abilities are innate and unchangeable. But bright boys believe that they can develop an ability through effort and practice. The bright boys tended to have a growth mindset, and the bright girls tended to have a fixed mindset. Hmm. Now, that's not great news. No. I'm concerned about that difference in her research. Now, her training, of course, is great in that She believes people can learn to adapt to a growth mindset, but it does put some work on our, on our table here to say, if we have that tendency, we have to be really careful about our girls in this world. And you've got a brand new one to be careful about. That's really interesting. So what can we do about that? Like, I mean, I'd like to know. Yeah. Prepare before it's too late. Help me. Yeah, there's a couple different points of view on it. One of the researchers we've talked about is Mark Brackett from Yale. Brackett and Stern tried to address this outcome because they're very worried about this problem. 
And you know, Brackett does a lot of work in the emotional expression area, and we've covered some of his research. Yeah. The big thing that they want to put across to anybody is who's struggling with perfectionism, your best self does not equal your best outcome. And you have to break that apart upstairs. So one of the tendencies we might have is we might should on ourselves and say, I should be thinner, or I should be more educated, or I should be, I mean, I could, we could fill in the blank. And any of you listening, you know what that sounds like, that we can easily should ourselves into feeling a certain way because we haven't maybe met a standard or an idea of something that we wanted to accomplish. But the big thing they say is to kind of separate those two ideas and say, separate your best self does not equal your best outcome. And if you can break those apart, then they suggest that you'll be in a more realistic place. Now, Dweck actually did a bunch of research too on this because Dweck, lucky for all of us, her research tends to have a lot of solutions in it. She doesn't just research to tell us the bad news. Yeah. She tends to, yeah, she researches and said, oh, so here's how we're getting a growth mindset. What she found is when she collaborated with the researchers from the University of Chicago, they did this long-term project and it happened to be with mother-child interactions. It kind of moves the question a little bit, like, what do we do if we're the perfectionist? Well, we try to separate those two ideas, like Brackett and Stern say, but Dweck kind of answers the question of how do we combat this fact that we might have a very gifted girl, for example, who already is giving up maybe with the fixed mindset of thinking she can't do that thing. And how would we parent these girls and girls and boys, you know, out of these unrealistic expectations? In this collaboration, they really found their research showing that the more the praise was process-oriented, so that's the mother's praising, whatever the behavior, more likely the child would have a growth mindset. The more praise you give them, the more likely... So not the more praise, the more process-oriented praise. What they did is they compared moms who use praise that is process-oriented versus not process-oriented. So here's not process-oriented. Don't worry, not everyone can be good at math. You're good at other things. And what they've found is that's not process oriented, that's outcome oriented. Okay. So if you're saying something to a child saying, well, you're never gonna be good at this thing, it's okay. The research showed that that actually supported or reinforced having a fixed mindset, does the opposite of helping that child grow. Alternative to that, you have the process oriented praise. So let's say there's a failure. I mean, in both of these situations, there's a failure. And the more the mom engaged in process-oriented feedback, and it didn't even have to be all the time, it just had to be the majority, the more that mom did that, the more likely the child would have a growth mindset. And they found that that was true even five years later after the study. What's an example of the right way to do it? So process praise would be, okay, so what is this teaching us? Or where should we go to find out how to do this thing? Or maybe we can talk to your teacher about a way to learn this subject. Would it be also like praising their process? So like, I like how you tried to do it this way, even though you didn't succeed the actual process that they took? That is interesting to me. I thought about that, actually. I think that's a great question. I, From what I read of Dweck's research, it sounded like they were not suggesting that because they didn't want to have you reinforce the failed process. Okay. Because that creates the fixed mindset. Right. So it's okay. You tried that and it didn't work, but okay. and you'll never be good at that thing, right? I, can, can you help clarify? Because this is not about, I hope I say this 
the perfect way um, to be least <laughs> offensive. But this isn't about like, oh, every kid gets a gold star, like everybody wins kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like this is different than that because yeah, it is I different can than see that. how someone could listen to this. Because at first when I was learning this, I was thinking like, okay, well, sometimes some people aren't good at some things and that's okay too. It is. But this isn't, this isn't that. Can you help me? differentiate to know that like when I say that to my young child one day I'm not just doing the everybody wins thing yeah it's also good for them to know that sometimes their team loses right but that's not what this that's this is different than that yeah I think it is different than that I get the concept of participation trophies and trying to include people and this isn't about not including someone Mm -hmm. this is about the challenge that we have I have a daughter you have a daughter Meredith you know, and but you don't have to just have a daughter. You can have sons, and yeah. we have some of those. So the, yeah. the the idea is, what are we saying to the people around us and to ourselves that can break this perfectionism expectation or blow it up? And that's where I kind of land on this episode. This is actually instructive for our little kids, hmm. for our people around us, and for ourselves. Yeah. So when it doesn't go how I want. So I think they're the same strategy, which I find pretty interesting. So I've got to bust up this this connection between the outcome being my value. Your kid's not good because they're a soccer star or they got an A on their test. So therefore they get love. Right. And that's what some people who struggle with this will equate that and say, I'm not lovable. I failed my test or I didn't make the team or whatever. Mm. And that's the first question is, let's start with ourselves, right? And then the next question is, what about the people around us? Because I think a lot of times in parenting, without training, we just repeat what we heard. Yes. Yeah. Wow. That's, I mean, the start of this parenting, and I, that just messed me up inside. I know. Sorry. I didn't mean to screw you up upstairs <laughs> this early. Without training, we're just repeating what we heard. So if we're not learning, we're just going to repeat the same. Oh, geez. Well, keep in mind that I teach conflict resolution and what I have found over the years is that's really true for my students. How they engage in conflict is whatever was modeled for them unless they have skill development and education. What else would they do? Where else would they learn that? We might have heard it's okay that you're bad at this. And what Dweck's research says is instead of focusing on that outcome, good, bad, focus on the process that was used to create a space for the growth mindset. Okay. When I was preparing for this, I thought, do I speak as a promoter of growth mindsets to people? I sure hope I do. To my spouse, to my children. You're, you're thinking, how do you promote? Do you, when you talk, are you promoting this way of thinking that's growth yeah. oriented rather than, wow, I never have like tried to reflect on that before. And do I do it to myself? Yeah. So when I think about the thing I didn't get or the expectation that, that wasn't met, am I challenging myself to say, okay, so what? is it that I need to learn about this thing? Instead of saying, man, that's really bad. You're bad. You've failed that or you lost that thing. Hmm. I was just thinking sort of like not placing your identity in what we do. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's very tough. What were you going to say, Mary? I relate with that. I was thinking, so this episode is making me think this is about being versus doing. Mm -hmm. And that's good. How... I think about myself being, others being in my life, and the story I make up about what others say of me Mm -hmm. and my being. 
And then the other thing I've just learned is that, and I know I'm like so brand new to parenthood, but I think of even just like relationships where I've been a bit shorter with my partner or mm-hmm. not been the friend I wanted to be or something, right? Instead of being so quick in my mind to be like, gosh, like we're just like, you're not doing good at that. You suck at that. Or like just Blew how that. quick we yeah. are at that's so stupid or whatever. Just to trade those comfort moments that, yeah, I don't want to admit they are more comfortable because it's what I'm more prone to in my mind, my upstairs. Mm-hmm to trade them for asking what you just said, which is like, well, where can I learn from this? Or where can I grow from this? Mm-hmm. Which is the premise of why we're doing what we do here at, at okay. asking for a friend, but <laughs> I struggle with it on a daily. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. It really resonates. Sort of what I'm taking away is when something happens, rather than saying, was that good or bad? Did you fail? Or are you perfect when perfect isn't real? What are we learning? How are we improving? How are we growing? Kind mm-hmm. of asking maybe those questions. What did it teach us? Even what was good about the fail? What was good about the fail and what was good about the win even? Yeah. Okay. So less maybe, what's the word when it's only A or B, like very dichotomous thinking? Yeah. Instead of that more growth mindset, open mm-hmm. to, okay, God, that's hard. <laughs> One of the things that we've talked about is this idea that we need to speak to ourselves like we would speak to a person we love. If you struggle with perfectionism at times or often, we're all different. Could there be a different way that you spoke to yourself about those events? And could there be a way that was more compassionate that provided a better, I don't know, context, I guess is what I'd say. I wouldn't even say outcome. Hmm. The point about Dweck's research, she says, let's praise process oriented and let's think about the process and okay so you tried this way so what other things could be possible what other options do we have available what are some other people we can ask about this thing as opposed to just sitting with it and saying you blew it and you don't have value anymore and you're a bad friend or a bad mother or a bad fill in the blank Mm -hmm. what's the who this is just hard it's good, but it's hard. It's not, yeah. it, it's, it's going to take being really proactive and catching those thoughts mm-hmm. and, and catching when you put them on on somebody else mm-hmm. or kind of like what I was saying when we started this, like I just kept thinking of when your daughter would say that's scary on me, you know, mm-hmm. how am I putting that perfectionism, perfectness, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, am I putting that on me? Am I putting that on, on my partner, on my, mm-hmm. on this other person? Am I imagining that someone else is putting that on me too, mm-hmm. which is hard. It makes me feel like I could fail someone, you know? So, but it, you have to, I feel like it's, it's going to be hard because I'll have to catch it quick. Cause I feel like if you don't catch that thought quickly. It just, it bounces right back into the old ways of thinking. Oh, well, there's good sense. news though, Meredith. So you remember what Dweck said in the research, which is you don't have to do it a ton and you don't even have to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. It just needs to be more. Yeah. Yeah. That I thought was great because if I have to do it every time, that's going to be a pretty high standard. I'm oh, yeah, I'm already, I'm already really failing. Nicely. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, that's a good point. I think about you in this topic, Taylor, a lot because you have a three-year-old and a three-year-old is trying new things all the time. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I'm really actually connecting this to our episode on emotional intelligence and our vo- emotional vocabulary mm-hmm. because I feel like... Ooh, look at me saying I feel, and I'm not going to say wow. emotion. <laughs> Snaps no. for Taylor. Um, but I, I feel like I could connect this to 
in the moments of kind of judging something good or bad, fail or perfect, whatever, mm -hmm. I want to get more to the emotional side of like, how are you feeling through this process? And I don't know, I think maybe I want to connect the dots between these two episodes. Mm -hmm. I don't, I feel like they could go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's way out of left field, but no, that's what I, I was think thinking so. about because I see him when he's processing something, if he doesn't do well, he just kind of right now will throw something down and kind of do like a noise and then say, I'm frustrated. Great. Say what you're feeling. But now I kind of want to go to the next step and say, I don't know. I'll have through. to learn that <laughs> yeah. to, the process. I need to learn how to praise the process, but I really, I like that. Yeah. Uh, or just speak positively about the process. We live in an era, and I didn't have this era with my kids where the YouTube was as prevalent, but there's a lot of things you can say, hey, we didn't do that craft the way that, you know, made it look just like the manual. Is there a YouTube we could watch about that together? Is there mm -hmm. someone we could ask? Or grandpa's a woodworker. We could see if grandpa could show us how to do that. And those are the kind of comments I read in Dweck's work. It's about refocusing off of that outcome. Okay. But still learning how to do something, quote unquote, properly is not necessarily bad. Like you're still encouraging them to learn how to do mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. but it's the judgment on yourself of whether you're good or bad, a failure or perfect mm -hmm. based on how it went is not what we're aiming for. No, it's what we have to guard against, really. Right. Okay. Just kind of a final thought on all of this that I think is important to say. You know, we learned from Brene Brown's research that it's not our perfection that will connect us to each other. It's our imperfection. So she has that book, Gifts of Imperfection, right? And some other work. She's done a lot of different work in this area. It made me kind of think, what's the opposite of perfection? It's imperfection, right? And the fact that we don't really connect with people when we just have outcomes. We connect each other in moments of loss in moments of vulnerability, in moments of grief. I don't want any of those things I just listed, <laughs> but it's what happens and it's not perfect. I mean, you just went through Meredith ch childbirth. There's something that's not perfect. I literally was just thinking, going through <sighs> that level, that kind of pain made me feel closer to the two of you. Mm -hmm. Not just like, oh, I became a mom and now I have this kid, but like the pain of that part mm -hmm. of the like what makes me get being in the what is this called as a, as a team I don't know what this sisterhood is, but yeah like <laughs> my mind couldn't conceive of that unless I felt how difficult that was <laughs> yeah just really is not comparable to anything else no <laughs> yeah no <laughs> well but it's it's the imperfection it's the vulnerability it's the moment that we aren't winning the prize but we're heavy in the process yeah and it's that's what connects us. And so I think that is an interesting thing to evaluate and say, all right, if I battle with perfectionism, I want to also probably start to really think about addressing that, knowing that that distracts me from connection. It distracts me away from that. I mean, it just, I don't know why it makes me think of the word messiness or something like being yeah. messy. Life is messy. Like, yeah. Like think of the people that you let in on your messy. Yeah. And just figuring out upstairs how to not worry so much about there being a mess. Because mm, yeah. I think that's part of it is saying it has to look perfect. I used to say to the kids sometimes when maybe my mother would visit or my in-laws would visit, 
And I would say, kids, we've got to clean up the house because we don't want people to know how we really live. (laughs) And they would laugh and say, we have to clean up the house. And I'm like, we do. And they're like, why? Why can't we just show people how we really live? And that's, you hear, I mean, that's this episode, right? Like, yikes. I love it. This makes me think of just traveling. I've traveled a lot with my partner in particular, and always the best trip is a trip that we have zero plans, zero expectations. Mm. And it's the trips that you're like, you think it's going to go a certain way, or you expect it to go, you know, you're going to do X, Y, Z, and it all goes to shit anyways, but... When you don't plan it or expect it, you're enjoying the ride. But mm-hmm. when you do and it doesn't go how you think it's going to go, then you, I don't know, grumble and complain much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like it. I love you, messy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> it's life is messy for sure. Yeah. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.